As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Well, good morning, High Point. Happy 4th of July weekend. Way to make it to church this morning. I love it. Let's start with this question. Who speaks more? Men or women? What do you think? (laughs) Statistics say this, that men speak on average 7,000 words a day. Women speak (laughs) 20,000 words a day. So let's pull out our calculator. Let's do some math. 365 days in a year, men speak 2.5 million words a year. Women speak 7.3 million words in a year. Of course, there are some men that speak more and there's women that speak less. The point of this is not which gender speaks the most words. The point of this is this, that all of us speak a lot of words every single day in our marriage, in our parenting, in our relationships, at work. Our words matter. Turn to your neighbor and say, your words matter. And it's not just the words that we speak, what we speak matters. It's how we speak matters. It's when we speak matters. It's where we speak matters. It's to whom we speak matters and why we speak matters. Our words matter. And of course, as we talk about communication this morning, we're not just talking about verbal words, but we're also talking about written words, right? We're texting all the time, we're emailing, we're posting to social media. Our words matter. And because our words matter, we need wisdom for our words. Who needs wisdom for your words this morning? Don't point to the person next to you. Yes, they need wisdom. But raise your hand if you need wisdom for your words. And so the title of the message today is this. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Is It's the wise communicate respectfully. We're continuing our series in Proverbs. It's the summer of wisdom. Are you growing in wisdom this summer? I hope that you're growing in wisdom this summer. I've got my journal. Some of you have a journal as well. I've been been journaling through the Proverbs, not just on Sundays, but during the week. Let's be growing in wisdom together. Wisdom, of course, doesn't come from personal opinion or human advice. Wisdom comes from God and from his word. And so if you have a Bible in front of you, I encourage you to open it up to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs devotes a lot of words to our words. In fact, Proverbs mentions our words, our communication, our speech, our tongue 150 times in the book of Proverbs. So I hope you packed a lunch. This is going to be a very long sermon today. We're going to be looking at five resolutions for speaking, for communicating respectfully. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Resolution number one is this, is that we need to speak with intentionality 
because our words have power. Well, where do we see this? Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love of it will eat of its fruits. Think about how powerful these words are. That our tongue is powerful. Our tongue has death and life. Our tongue is like a weapon, it's like a gun, it's like a knife. We can assault people. But our tongue is also like an oxygen mask. And we can give life to others. With our tongue, we can kill reputations. We can kill spirits. We can kill someone's sense of dignity and worth. But with our tongue, we can also breathe life into someone who's hurting, who's confused, who's lonely, who's fearful, who feels defeated. That our words can hurt and our words can heal. Our words can provoke anger or our words can lead to healthy dialogue. Our words can divide. Our words can unite. Our words can help someone feel unwanted and unloved. Or our words can help someone feel wanted and feel loved. Our words can build up, but our words can also tear down. If you heard this phrase before, sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? Words will never hurt me. Wouldn't it be awesome if that was true? I read a statistic that it says that it takes eight to 10 positive comments to offset one negative comment. Wouldn't it be awesome if that was true? The reality is sometimes... Words are so hurtful that they linger with us not just for hours and days, but for weeks, for years, for decades. So we can just pause here just for a moment. I want to talk to those of you who carry hurt from hurtful words. I trust this is for most of us if not all of us. Hurtful words hurt. They do. Hurtful words hurt. Especially if it comes from someone who's supposed to love you, support you, defend you. And so all eyes on me right now. You are not who others say you are. You are not the hurtful words that have been spoken to you. You are not who you say you are. For some of us, we have pride. Others of us, we have insecurity. Both are wrong. Some of us are filled with self-righteousness. Some of us are filled with shame. Both are wrong. You are not who others say you are. You're not who you say you are. You're who 
God says you are. And God says that you're beloved, that you are chosen, that you are created in his image, that you are his workmanship, that you're forgiven, that you are a new creation in Christ. That's who God says that you are. That you are not a mistake, that you were fearfully and wonderfully made in your mother's womb. That God loves you for who you are, not for what you do. God loves you for who you are, not for who you're becoming. You don't need to perform for God's love. There's nothing that you can do that would make God love you any more. There's nothing that you can do that would make God love you any less. God loves you for who you are. And he delights in you. That you are not who others say you are. You're not who you say you are. That you are who God says that you are. Maybe for some here this morning, that's why God had you come to church today. It's not just so that you could hear these things, but that so you could really believe these things in your heart. So here's the reality about hurtful words. When someone speaks hurtful words to you, it reveals more about them than about you. That we're all created in the image of God, male and female, every ethnicity, we're all created in the image of God. So to reject others is to reject God. To dishonor others is to dishonor God. To disrespect others is to disrespect God. To hate others is to hate God. That we're all created in the image of God. And so if we're all created in the image of God, why do we use our words to hurt others? Especially, especially those who we are called to love. Our spouse, our kids, our parents, our siblings, our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends. When hurtful words are coming from you, it's revealing something much deeper inside. It's a heart issue. And Jesus addresses this in Luke chapter six. He says this, that the good person out of the good treasure out of his heart produces good. The good heart produces good. The evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. But here it is. For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. And so if your heart is hurting, hurtful words are gonna come from your mouth. The reality is hurt people hurt people. And so if you don't deal with your hurt, you're gonna be causing hurt wherever you go. But if your heart is transformed by Jesus, if Jesus heals the hurts that are in your heart, your heart becomes alive and then you're speaking words of life to others. This right here is the bullseye of the message. That this isn't a moralistic message about, oh, I need to like try harder. I need to stop saying the wrong things. I need to start saying the right things. That's not the point of this message. 
The point of this message is you need to have a heart that's transformed by Jesus. And when your heart is transformed by Jesus, your words, your mouth is transformed by Jesus. Amen? And so that's what we're going for today. And so back to our verse, our verse in Proverbs, it says this, that our words have death and life or in the power of the tongue, but those who love it will eat of its fruits. So think about eating of its fruits. Think about serving someone, our words that we share with others. It's like we're serving a meal to someone else. We're giving them a meal. Let's think about two meals together. First of all is this, is that this is a lamb shank and it's got some mashed potatoes and some grilled asparagus. When you see this meal, participation in church, what are some words that come to your mind when you see this meal? (laughs) What are some words that you think about? Delicious, satisfying, delightful, that this is healthy. Now think about, now think about this. This is uncooked raw chicken left out overnight. Think about serving this to someone else. What comes to your mind when you think of this? Gross, harmful, toxic, destructive, unhealthy. And so if you were to eat of this, then you would be battling in the bathroom salmonella poisoning, right? (laughs) But if you understand this word picture, this illustration here, this very simple illustration, then you understand this verse. It's this. It's that most of us have probably battled food poisoning. Food poisoning is awful but I'd take food poisoning any day over word poisoning. That our words have impact. They have power. Therefore, we need to have intentionality with our words. That's resolution number one. Let's look at resolution number two together. We're to speak with gentleness because words bring healing. Speak with gentleness because words bring healing. Let's look at this in Proverbs chapter 15, verse one. It says this, that a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How many of you have experienced this before, that you find yourself in an argument and so then you level up. Volume meets volume, motion meets emotion. All of a sudden, all these harsh words are being thrown around and it's very destructive and anger continues to elevate. How many of you have experienced that before? A few people are honest in church this morning. But what about the opposite? Have you experienced that? In the midst of an argument that there's a gentle answer, a soft reply, and emotions come down. Volume comes down. Anger comes down. And then you're able to have a healthy, productive conversation. A gentle answer turns away wrath. If you have a kid that's yelling in your home, the answer is not to yell back. 
Yelling back at a yelling kid is never the answer. It's only going to lead to further problems. Trust me, I've experienced this myself in my own parenting. And so when you have a child who is yelling, it needs to be met with gentleness. If you have a child who's having a temper tantrum, do not ignore it. But quietly pray, God, give me gentleness. Give me patience. Give me grace. Give me wisdom. If you find yourself in an argument with your spouse, all of a sudden, harsh words are being thrown around. You're attacking the person. The relationship is being damaged tremendously by your words. But a gentle answer, a soft reply, leads to being able to not attack the person, but to address the problem in a healthy way. Perhaps you're at work and you have a non-Christian coworker and you're debating social issues together, perhaps the wise thing to do is not to continue the argument and damage your testimony and your relationship, but to back off with a gentle answer and play the long game of influence rather than the short-term goal of winning the argument at all costs and losing everything, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Of course, we're not just talking about our verbal words, right? We're talking about the things that we write. We're talking about the things that we post on social media. You may feel convicted. I need to share the truth about X, Y, and Z. Do you? To become like Jesus is to become like Jesus. But Jesus was truth. Yes, he was. But he is perfectly truth and perfectly grace all together at the same time. The problem with social media can be that we don't have that perfect balance of grace and truth. And so maybe the wise thing to do is to not let a topic become a social media debate, but rather let it be a personal dialogue where you can have a healthy conversation of listening and sharing and listening and sharing. You see, gentleness, gentleness leads to healing. It leads to healing in our homes. How many of us need healing in our homes? It leads to healing in our relationships. It leads to healing in our church body. It leads to healing in those issues that often want to divide us. 
Let's look at the next um, point together as we think about five resolutions for respectful communication. The third uh, resolution is this, is that we're to speak with restraint because words, many words, provoke foolishness. Where do we see this? It's Proverbs 10, verse 19. It says this. It says, when words are many, when words are excessive, when there's lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of words, when words are many, transgression, sin is not lacking. But whoever restrains his lips, whoever controls his lips, whoever has discernment with his lips, whoever has a filter with his or her words is prudent or is wise. So how many of you, you think before you speak? How many of you think before you speak? Okay, how many of you, honestly, in church this morning, would you be in my camp that you speak and then you think? That I like to talk just to talk. And as I'm talking, I'm not thinking about what I'm saying. And I say something, then I think about what I just said, and then I say, can I take that back? And the answer is no. Because it's an impossible question. You can't take something back that you have said. Grace can be extended, forgiveness can be granted, but you can't take back something that you have said. When our kids were uh, much younger, when they were in the grade school, uh, Camille called our kids into the kitchen uh, for an object lesson. She had a tube of toothpaste and she had a plate and she encouraged the kids to pass around the tube of toothpaste and to squeeze out the toothpaste onto the plate. And you can imagine how much fun our kids had squeezing the toothpaste out onto the plate. How many of you want to just squeeze the toothpaste right now? This looks fun, right? And so as they squeezed the toothpaste out into the plate, Camille then said to them, put the toothpaste back into the tube. And can you imagine their confusion, their bewilderment, but they're kids and so they want to meet the challenge that's in front of them. So they got their hands all into the toothpaste and trying to shove it back into the, the toothpaste tube. And of course they weren't able to do it. And Camille in her brilliance in parenting said to them, what we're talking about today. They're just like when you squeeze toothpaste out of the tube, you can't put it back. The things that you say, you can't take back. So what's our proverb? Our proverb is this from 1019, that when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but when we restrain our lips, that person is prudent, that person is wise. All throughout the book of Proverbs, it talks about the importance of restraining our tongues. Let's look at a few of these together. Proverbs 13, three, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life and he who opens wide his lips will come to ruin. Pretty self-explanatory, right? Let's look at the next one. 
Whoever restrains his words has knowledge and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Even a fool is deemed intelligent when he closes his lips. And so here it is, newsflash. You don't need to comment on everything. Turn to your neighbor and say, you don't need to comment on everything. You don't need to share your opinion about everything. Parents, when your kids are young, you need to train them up. But as they become teenagers, as they begin adulting like our kids are, that lecturing your teenagers, your adult kids, is counterproductive if they don't want your input. And so you need to give input early on and you need to maintain a relationship so that you can have influence. But if you're just talking to talk at your kids, it's not helping. Spouses, can I give you some advice here? You don't need to share your opinion about every meal you eat in your home. You don't need to share your opinion about every outfit that your spouse wears. Unless your spouse always looks amazing. You don't need to comment on social media about everything. Sometimes it's good to step back and not be quick. To think about what it is that I would say. And how would people, if they're reading it, respond? that we need to use restraint as it relates to our words. Proverbs talks about apples in a setting of silver. Maybe you've heard this before. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. In other words, it's not just what you say, but it's how you say it, your tone. It's when you say it, it's the timing, it's where you say it, it's the context. It's um, who you say it to, who's the audience, it's why you say it, it's your motive. And so when you speak, let's use restraint, but when we speak, let's have intentionality so that our words are fitly spoken like apples of gold in a setting of silver. To become like Jesus is to become like Jesus. How did Jesus show restraint with his words? It says this in 1 Peter 2, that he committed no sin, speaking of Jesus, neither was defeat, deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly that even when Jesus was experiencing justice in his life, he didn't lash out about the injustice in his life. But instead, he entrusted himself to the judge, to the God who judges justly and will judge the wrong that's being done. That we don't always need to call that out. Let's let God be the one that does that. That we need to have restraint with our words. Let's look at resolution number four. Resolution number four is this, is that we need to speak with insight because our words provide encouragement. Speak with insight because our words inspire encouragement. 
It says this in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. I hope that you're at church in a couple of weeks. We're going to be looking at emotional health and wisdom as it relates to that. We'll talk about anxiety. But for now, let's look at the second part. It says this, but a good word makes him glad. Some translation says encourages him or her. How many of you like to be encouraged? I think all of us like to be encouraged, right? How intentional are you? How much initiative do you take to encourage others? We wait around wanting to be encouraged by others. Why not be an encouragement to others? Proverbs has a lot to say about this. Let's look at three quick verses. It says, a gentle tongue is a tree of life. Next we see, to make an apt answer is joy to a man. A word in season, the right words at the right time in the right setting. A word in season, the person who is discouraged, the positive encouraging word. A word in season, how good it is. I hope that you've experienced some good words to you when you've experienced a tough season in your life. Next, it says this, the gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. We read this verse and we think that it's a metaphor, that it's a metaphor between our speech and our physical health. But if you were to talk to medical professionals, they would say this, that if a patient is in recovery and that patient has a supportive, caring network that's around, that's encouraging, that's, that's positive, that is uh, optimistic with the patient, that the patient's recovery is going to be much greater compared to the patient that's isolated and alone and rejected or surrounded by people that are critical and pessimistic, that patient is going to have a harder time recovering. And why is that? We see it here. Because gracious words, gracious words are like health to the body. So let's think through this chart together. Maybe this is helpful summary of the message together. Here we go. Let's look at this together. That the wrong words at the wrong, at the right time with the right person is foolishness. If you're just spewing foolishness, the end result is going to be foolishness. Right words at the wrong time to the right person leads to aggravation. Maybe you're in a marriage and you've got a concern about your relationship and you want to talk to your spouse about it. It's the right words and the right person, but please, please, please don't try to have that conversation five minutes before your spouse's business meeting. It's only going to lead because it's the wrong time to aggravation. If that makes sense, just nod your head in agreement. Next is... The right words at the right time to the wrong person leads to frustration. You can only help someone if they want to be helped. If, if you have advice, if you have opinions, if you have wisdom to share with someone, but they don't want it, they're only going to be frustrated and you're going to be frustrated. That the right words at the right time to the wrong person is frustration. And finally is this, that the right words at the right time to the right person, that's what leads to encouragement. So are you an encourager? What can you do even this week? What can you do today 
to be an encouragement to others. Maybe it's sending a text to someone or writing a thank you note to someone. Maybe it's communicating affection, affirmation, approval to your family members. Please don't be the husband that says, I told you I love you when I married you and if anything changes, I'll tell you. (laughs) That we need to communicate love to our loved ones every single day. How can you be an encouragement to someone? Wrap up our services today. We got tents and treats out in the upper uh, lobby area outside the front doors. We got some bomb pop popsicles. Go get your kids, come out. But don't just get in your car and drive away. Take some time to meet some people here. We're a church family. Have a conversation for a few minutes. Be an encouragement to someone else even before you leave today. And this leads to the fifth resolution. The fifth resolution is this, is that we need to speak with boldness because words save souls. We need to speak with boldness because words save souls. It says this in um, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. It says, the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. Whoever saves souls or whoever captures souls is wise. Now understand this church that we don't save souls, Jesus saves souls. Can we say that together? Jesus saves souls, but he uses us in the process. It says this in Proverbs chapter 28, that the righteous are as bold as a lion. So what's our, the title of this message? You remember what the title of this message is? That the wise communicate respectfully. So is boldness and respectfulness, are those incongruent with each other? They can be. You can have boldness and be very disrespectful. You can be, but they don't have to be. You can be bold and respectful. Boldness isn't being loud, obnoxious, pushy. That's not boldness. Boldness is kind. It's loving. It's sincere. In Acts chapter four, it talks about Peter and John and about their boldness. Notice when they saw their boldness, Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated common men, that they were astonished at their boldness. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So get this, boldness does not come from being an extrovert. Boldness comes from being with Jesus and being transformed by Jesus. And because they had been with Jesus and they were transformed by Jesus, that they couldn't help but speak about the next verse. They couldn't help speak about the things that they had seen and heard. So boldness is, can I tell you the difference that Jesus has made in my life? Boldness is, I see that you're struggling. I used to struggle with that too, but Christ has set me free. I believe that he could do the same for you. Boldness is I go to High Point Church. I'd love for you to come sometime with me to church. Boldness is truth and grace. And boldness is grace and truth. Boldness is loving people and loving people enough to look for people. And as you look for people, you're listening to people and you're learning about people. And at the right time, you're leading people to Jesus. 
And so back to our verse, Proverbs eleven thirty, that the fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. The one who is wise saves souls. Are you a tree of life to anyone? As you think about your spiritual trunk, are there any limbs that are growing from your spiritual trunk because of the fruit of your love, the fruit of your words? We've heard a lot this morning. We've shared a lot of words about our words. So what are we going to do with our words? Again, I hope that you get this, that it's not about trying harder. It's not about stopping saying these things and starting saying these things. But it's about having a heart that's transformed by Jesus. And when Jesus transforms our heart, he transforms our words as well. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And God, we acknowledge that we're incapable of being able to use our words in the way that you want us to use our words, that we're dependent upon you. And so, God, we look to you. You are where our help comes from. Give us wisdom as it relates to our words. God, would we use our words to be an encouragement to others, to be a blessing to others. God, would you strengthen us in that? We look to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.